listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. Today is Sunday, September 11th, and we're nearing the end of our sermon series, Romans the Declaration. Aaron Couch is with us this week to look at Romans 14 and the implications it has for living out our convictions while respecting the convictions of others. Glad you're here with me this morning to share in this debacle of a sermon. Uh, I, this is one of those, I'm just going to tell you up front, we have this much material to cover in this much time. And so we will take a stab at it and hopefully, hopefully, hopefully it'll be awesome. There's a high probability that it may suck. I don't know. Uh, I do think that I'm going to change my name to Rachel Lampa because dang, I never get a response like that. But, uh. That was pretty awesome. Before we get started this morning, I want to um, welcome in our Pullman campus. Give a shout out to our Pullman peeps. They are joining us this morning, and we are going to hit the ground running. We've been in the series on Romans, and what's been happening is uh, we had the first 11 chapters that kind of talked about you know, the, everybody's kind of on the same playing field. And so chapter 12, we switched gears to, if that's true then, how should we live? Uh, how should we treat one another? And so he talks about offering your bodies a living sacrifice. And he talks about, you know, you have a function to play and not all of our functions are the same. You need to function according to how God designed you. And um, some people are good at this. Some people are good at that. You know, you don't all have to be the same Z's. And then he says, your love must be sincere. And then last week, and I love that Marty had to teach this sermon. <laughs> I love that I didn't have to preach it here. Submit to authorities. I just stood back and was like, yeah. No, I just messing with you, messing with you, messing with you. Uh, the reality is that there are authority structures in our life, whether that's parents or coaches or mentors or teachers or whatever. It's also government, police officials, you know, those kinds of things. We have these authority structures in our life and our job is to s- submit to them and and. We do that out of reverence to God, not because we like them necessarily, no matter who gets elected as president, right? So uh, today, we're going to jump into what I believe is really kind of the foundational conversation of Christianity. If we've, we've made a decision as a church that we want to be a church that engages culture well. We want to be a church that puts our God on display well. And so in order to do that, we're going to have to go outside of the four walls of the church and represent our God in a certain kind of way. And there's all different ways that people try to represent God. Some of them are better than others. Um, Some people are bullhorn-toting, sandwich board-wearing, you know, (laughs) those those people. God bless them. Um, there's, there's those kinds of people who try to put God on display. The you're a sinner, um, you're bad, you know, Jesus, you, you, you made Jesus die, so you should go to bed and cry at night. There's those people. Then there's other people that are like, whatever, man. You know, like, hey, we all, all roads lead, lead whatever. Um, there's those, so we have these, into the spectrum, and somewhere in the middle, we got to have this conversation about how we live together as a community. And uh, how do we value human beings and stand on opposite ends of, a, of an opinion? Now, if you remember, 
those of you that were Christians back in the day, back in the 60s and 70s, remember playing cards. <laughs> like, you didn't, you didn't. You didn't play. Well, here, here's the deal. You did. You all did. And you didn't tell anybody about it. Because you couldn't play nothing. Like, it wasn't just like gambling or whatever. Like stand, whatever. That's a whole separate conversation. But it was like no gin, no canasta, no bridge, no pinochle, no hearts, no cribbage. None of it. None of it. There was like, no. Those, those Clubs and diamonds and hearts and spades, those are the symbols of the devil. Right? Right? Remember that if you were alive back then. Now, we're like, what? Like, put it all on number seven. Like, that, it's totally different, totally different culture. Totally different culture. And the problem is, the church back in the day made a stance that forced people to make a decision about whether or not they were in with that. And, and what we would all admit is that was probably not a smart stand to take. Um, dancing. Remember that one. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you dance, you better, you better not dance to a 4-4 beat because that... That is the devil's music. That is the devil's time signature, 4-4. Four, four. <laughs> Some kind of satanic symbol. <laughs> like this is the world that the, this is the world of the church, and, and the, the problem isn't the problem isn't that people had that conviction. And here's the deal: if you're like, I still I still feel that way. Okay, okay. Like, it's weird, but okay. Like, you're, you can, you're allowed. Where we get into trouble is how we treat people who view that differently. And that's where we've got to have the conversation today. Because that's Romans 14. What do we do when people have a different opinion on things that are just point blank debatable? What do we do? Furthermore, what do we do when people have a difference of opinion on what is debatable and what isn't debatable? Which is a whole nother conversation, right? Because I think some of us would be like, no, you, you cannot dance, right? Like, that's not debatable. I submit to you, David of the Bible, who danced and took it up a notch. He danced with no clothes on, so... There's that. Um, <laughs> it's the Bible. Read it. Um, yeah, if it's God's word, I'm allowed to say it up here, right? So this is this tension, this conversation that we're having in Romans 14, and it's a hard one. It's a hard one, and this is going to be a conversation at the core of your Christian walk for the rest of your life. We're not going to resolve any of these issues today. What we are going to do is try to land on what is God's part in the conversation and what is my obligation in the conversation on these issues where we have differences of opinion. Okay? So let's jump into Romans 14. Let's go. As for the one who's weak in faith, welcome him. But do not quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Okay. Let's talk for a moment. Here's the opening conversation. One of the ongoing debates in the church at Rome is, 
are we allowed to eat meat sacrificed to idols? And some people were like, uh, yeah, it's steak. <laughs> Which I, I can get on board with that, right? I, like I, I can get on board with that. Some people were like, no, 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 no. No, you cannot eat that meat. It was sacrificed to an idol. So we will restrict ourselves to only vegetables. Now, what Paul says here is, look, if in your faith walk, hear this. If in your faith walk, you are going to land on the restricted end of this conversation, it is because your faith is weak. You are not being more spiritually mature. That's what he says. That's what he said. Let's read on. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. He says, but on the flip side of the coin, if you have the spiritual freedom to eat that meat, don't look down on the one that doesn't. So if you, if you, for like, let's get, let's get controversial. Totally different than any other week. Let's do, let's, let's talk. Let's talk about the consumption of alcohol, okay? Which in the Bible, we have freedom in Christ to decide where we're going to land on that topic, right? We do. Now, there are people that are adamant about no, and, and for various reasons. For some people, it's like, look, I don't moderate well. Okay, then you shouldn't, right? You shouldn't, absolutely. For some people, it's like, no, because God says looks down on people who drink. No, 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 he doesn't. And, and that's where it becomes, I start to look down on people for their choice, right? So some, I have the freedom to choose. Should I consume alcohol or should I not? Wherever we land, we've got to give people permission to be where they are. And I've had people come into my office and try to convince me that I am supposed to make people not drink. Now, now here's the deal. There are some inherent dangers in it. There are. But I don't have the right to demand it. I just don't have that right. So land wherever you're going to land. Just don't look down on people that think differently. That's, what we're, that's where we're pulling for. Now, that was a, that's a low-hanging fruit. There's some topics that, that are going on in the world today that are slightly more controversial. We'll probably talk about those two at some point. <laughs> let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It's before his own master that he stands or falls. Oh, by the way, did, I don't know if you knew this. You're not God. <laughs> like if you could get that one truth sunk into your soul, it would revolutionize your life. Let God be God. It's, it's before his own master that he stands or falls, and he'll be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. Here's kind of what Paul's saying. If the decision that they're making is actually as wrong as you want to make it, I'll bet God will reveal it to them. I don't have to worry about being the moral police. Here's what I do have to worry about. I do have to worry about the fact that we live in a world that tears everyone down at every turn. And my job is to be in the perpetual process of reminding you how valuable God thinks you are. Now, I can do that. 
Okay, you can get excited about that because it's kind of a big deal. That's kind of a big deal. Because the church in our culture has become right fighters. They're the truth. They're the moral police. They, they stick their truth flag in the ground and go, see, we're true. <laughs> and by the way, we're not designed to function that way. Now, that doesn't mean there isn't any place for truth. You can have an opinion about truth. You can have your opinion, but treat people the way that God would want you to. Amen. If we don't get that right, none of the rest of what we do matters. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another person esteems all days alike. Now, let's talk about this one quickly. I got I to gotta run it at an incredible rate of speed. The, there are people, maybe you're in this room. I love you. God has tremendous plans for your life. I'd love for you to be a part of our community. But they believe that Sunday is the only day that you're allowed to come to church. It's the Lord's day, right? And we assume that it was the New Testament Christians that coined that phrase, they stole it from Rome who called the Lord's Day, they called Sunday the Lord's Day because of Caesar. They just stole the idea. So when they say they're meeting on the Lord's Day, it's not because Jesus rose on Sunday. It's not true. It's just not true. They called Sunday the Lord's Day because Rome called Sunday the Lord's Day because of Caesar. You can only meet on, on the Lord's day. Every day is the Lord's day. I think the Bible says something about, you know, 24-7, 365. I'm sure that's in the subtext <laughs> somewhere. When we were in Post Falls, we, had a, we were running four services on a Sunday morning. It was nuts. It was nuts. And we were trying to... Um, figure out what to do to, because we have more people coming, more people coming. We didn't have space. And so we decided, it was revolutionary, we were going to start a service on another night of the week. You'd have thought that we assassinated the Pope. Like, <laughs> it was unreal. No, man, you got to come to church on Sunday. Oh, here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal. If you believe that Sunday is the only day that you should come to church, you are welcome here. We have three services. You're welcome to choose from any one. But you do not have the right to hold that rule over anyone else's head. Because the Bible doesn't say that. Now, if it's my conviction, then live in your conviction. Live in your conviction. But if, don't make everybody else live in your conviction. Make sense? That's what he's saying. Don't make one day better than another. While, uh, while another person esteems all days alike, each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord, and the one who eats it eats in honor of the Lord, and since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. By the way, if we could just get that one right. Stop worrying about your own opinions. Stop, but, but I'm right. Like, this is a whole Western mindset that we have where we're like, take care of self first and then worry about the community. No, actually, the invitation of the kingdom of God is to say the community is more valuable. And I find myself in that. I don't lose myself in that. I find myself in that. Now, let's have a, let's, let's have a fun one. Let's, let's have a fun one. Modesty. Listen to me. 
Men, I'm going to talk to the men first. I was at a men's retreat all weekend. I was speaking at a men's retreat because I got like all kind of testosterone in my system. So I'm like, I'm talking manly things to men. Like, man, let's talk men for a second. It is not her fault if you have a problem looking at her. Can I get a witness from my sisters? If you can't keep your eyes and your mind where it should be, that is not her fault. It is your fault. You don't lust because she's immodest. You lust because you have a problem with lust. Now, women, before you clap too loudly, (laughs) if you want a man to think of you as intelligent and creative and like have something to offer the world beyond your, I don't, I don't know a good word, (laughs) beyond your appearance, thank you. It would be good if maybe you didn't try to maximize that all the time. And, and here's the deal. I'm not, I'm not telling you what to wear. You're free to choose. What I'm saying is, sometimes in the pursuit of being cute, we make statements about ourselves that we didn't mean to make. And, and, and that's not fair. It's not fair to yourself. But what I want to be really clear about is, every once in a while, I see this flare up on Facebook, this conversation, because, you know, Facebook, the place of happiness, wholeness, and healing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I... <laughs> I, I just want, here's a funny thing. And it, here's a funny thing. Uh, so Facebook, there's one statement that I know has never been written on Facebook. Before I read your rant, I thought this, but now I agree with you. <laughs> That's never been written on Facebook, right? Like no one ever changed anybody else's mind on Facebook. Um, and it flares up, like, and everybody's trying to, like, well, I can, I am free to wear whatever I want. True. And guys are like, well, but I, I can look wherever I want. Uh, true. But, but the problem is nobody's caring about the other person. Like, nobody's talking about, like, you know what? Because I value you not as a man or a woman, but as a human, I want to treat you the way you've been, you deserve to be treated. Like, nobody's having that conversation. Because there's no fight in that. Like, who would be like, no, I don't want anyone to value me. Like, uh, I don't want any of those kind of friends, right? It, 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 do you get my point? Like, we have these debates in our society. Pick a different topic. It doesn't matter. We have these debates in society about what is my right? I can do what I want. But we have no concern for the well-being of the community that we affect. And... It's wrong. It's wrong. And when you see someone in the community who is not handling their position in the community well, you should love the community enough to go to them and talk to them about it. Not in a judgmental sense. Like, I just, I'll just tell you this. If you see me doing something that doesn't protect the reputation of God in this church, please tell me, say something. Love, love the church enough, love the kingdom of God enough to tell me. 
hopefully I'll be humble enough to hear it. Like, and if I'm not humble enough to hear it, then Lord help us all, right? Like, you don't, you don't need to go here. We have a responsibility to one another. We have a responsibility to one another. And I think we don't take that seriously enough. Okay, let's read on. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be the Lord of both the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of the brother. Let me give you one that was a little more recent. Here's a big one. Should we sing hymns or should we sing choruses? Like the hymns, they have this deep theology and teaching and yeah, right? And the choruses, they just say the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over. The interesting thing is it's scripture, a lot of it. Now, some of it is not scripture. Some of it is like, we don't sing those songs. <laughs> like, you know, this is the air I breathe. What? No, this is the air. It's not the same thing. You, some of you guys know that song. Early 90s. Early 90s. Says the air I breathe. Right? Yeah. No, it's not oxygen. It's the air I breathe. Anyways, 70% nitrogen. Like some of them aren't, but a lot of the choruses, there's, there's, like there was this debate in the church, like this was a thing, like you don't love Jesus if you sing choruses. We, we assume that because the hymns are old, that they're inspired. <laughs> and believe me, I have no problem with the hymns. I, I don't. I, when I am in a deep desert in my own life, and I look to something to comfort me, I often find myself singing the hymns of my childhood. Nothing wrong with the hymns. But, I mean, let's pep it up a little bit. You know, come on. And I hear, like, the critique, well, our kids don't know how to read music anymore because they don't read the hymnals. Okay. I didn't know whether that was my moral obligation as a pastor to teach you how to read music. I, I, I didn't know. Um, anyway, like, whatever, whatever, whatever. Don't put a truth flag in the ground on something that isn't worth fighting about. Now, some of them are easy. Some of them are a little more complex. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in and of itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good to be spoken of as evil. Let me give you an example of this. Just a real-time example. I choose to eat kosher. I choose it. I know I don't have to. I choose it. Here's why. Part of why. Because food is a thing for me. It's not for everybody. It is for me. I, I have a love relationship with food. 
Um, some of you understand exactly what I'm talking about. Like I, I love food with all my might, with all my heart, with all my, like, if I was to speak Shema, there are days that I would have to say, Hero Israel, food is your God, food alone. Um, and so I wrestle with, like, Lord, how do I tell you that you're more important to me than food? Kosher is no miraculous dietary plan. I don't know if you know this, but I'm no picture of health. You know, I, but it is a way for me to be able to say, no, God, you mean more to me than food. It's a way. It's not the way. It's a way for me to do that. Here's the interesting thing, you Gentiles. Every one of you, I know exactly what your first thought was when you heard, I don't eat kosher. Here's what your first thought was. You mean you don't eat bacon? <laughs> Am I wrong? You know that was exactly your first thought. And what's ironic to me is that in this world that we live in, anytime that somebody chooses to lay something down so that they can say to God that they're more important to he's more important to me than that, we immediately go to all the things that that takes away. This is the nature of our culture. And so we do one of two things. Either we go, hmm, or we start to feel convicted that somebody else stood there, so we immediately begin self-justifying why it's okay that I don't. And at some level, we put a distance in the community. Like, what if you just listened to all the things that the Lord's been able to do in my heart through that process? Or maybe the opportunities that I've had to talk about God, because what we do publicly really is just about putting God on display, right? And how I've been able to share with people about who my God is because I choose to not eat bacon or ham or shrimp or oysters or crab or calamari. Like, I get it. You guys are like, no, how do you live? Uh, I don't know if you know this, but I haven't missed a lot of meals. Uh, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Here's the thing. We immediately start trying to assess actions over people's hearts and the value of the human being. So if you share conviction, if your conviction is don't drink, don't drink. If your conviction is don't dance, don't dance. If your conviction is don't play cards, then don't play cards. And stand in your conviction. But don't demand that everyone else does. Because you don't have that right. Here's why. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So how about if we major on that? And I wonder if you ask the average person on the average street in the average town in America, would they define the church as a place of peace and joy in the Holy Spirit? Or would they define it by other things? I would just invite you that Paul's passionate plea in Romans 14, 
And we got to be done because we're running out of time. Read the rest of Romans 14. Guys, we haven't even talked about like, there's some real cultural issues that are facing the church today that we, the church is not having a good conversation on. And they're, they're either shaking their fists or they're running and sticking their head in the sand. And that, neither one of those are good ways to deal with those issues. We have to lovingly figure out a way to value humanity even when they stand in a different moral position. And, and I'll just say this. The world does a way better job of this than we do. And that's a shame. That's a shame. So we're going to take communion together. And for those of you that are new with us, we have an open table. What that means is if you're willing to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus with us, then we would invite you to partake in communion with us. But we'd ask you, hold those elements till the end, and then we'll take it all together. And... Um, while they're doing that, while they're passing that out, I want to work through some implications with you. So let's throw the first implication up. It is not my job to convict the world of sin. It's not your job either. To convince the world that I am right or to make anyone feel good or bad for how they act. That's God's job. And it's his job alone. And there's this fascinating thing about God. He does that job way better than I do. When I choose to try to be the Holy Spirit in everyone's life, it never goes well. How many of you know exactly what I'm talking about? Yeah. I tried to be the truth police. It just didn't work out well. Next implication. My job is to hold others up. I must be for people, no matter the situation. I, I got to share this story with you. I, I shared this story, or I asked for permission to share this story. So my daughter, the angelic redhead that was standing here, sings, I, I, I can't even be in here when she's helping lead worship because I just weep. I can't hold it together. I love listening to my girl sing. She was raised in a preacher's home from an early age. She's been my daughter since she was born. <laughs> she's been in Sunday school. She's been in church. She's been in the Word. Like, she knows what God says about things. And she chose to get a Septum piercing. She chose that. Now here's the deal. I'm an old man now. And so I was like, uh, uh, well, uh. we had a conversation about it. But here's the deal. It's her nose, right? If that's the worst thing that could happen, I think we're in good shape. <laughs> Right? Now, somebody, I don't know who, and I don't want to know who. It would be better that I never find out who. Took it upon themselves to email my daughter, super relational, and tell her at length how evil it was that she had a septum piercing. 
Now, I know that they had the best of intentions. I know that they had the, the, the no, we've got to fight for our kids. We've got to show them the way. They don't understand. They'd, like, I get all of that. But here's what it did to her. She said, Dad, these are the kind of things that make me not even want to be a Christian. And I was like, me too. Like, if this is what it means to be a part of spiritual community, something's radically wrong. Like, heaven's sake, pierce your septum. Or don't. Or say, I can't do that. Okay. All right. Have green hair. Have a mohawk. Have tattoos. Have, have it all. Have 87 mirrorings in your ear. Like, I don't know why, but do it. If that's what you want to do, like your body is a canvas. Like, whatever. The great thing about hair is it, it grows back. You cut it off. You know, like do whatever you want to with it. I don't care. But we don't give people permission to be human. Our job is to hold people up whether we agree with them or not. Not to point out all their faults. Because listen, if you want to go into a fault-finding battle, like I'm a, I'm a recovering Pharisee. I'm a master at finding every place that you're wrong. <laughs> Ask my wife. Right? Like that's not, that's not the game we play. It's not the game we play. Okay, next, next implication. My job is to inspire others by how I live my life, not by calling theirs into question. Okay, parents. Rather than trying to tell other people how wrong they're parenting, why don't you just parent well? Rather than tell people, other, everybody else how they're, how they're leading wrong, why don't you just lead well? You know, why, rather than telling everybody else how they're living their life wrong this way or that way, why don't you just live your life correctly? It's weird because every one of you knows this. Like my wife and I, we look for parents that are doing it right or that we see like we want that attribute that you have in your kids. We want that to be true of our kids. And we go and ask them. Like you don't need to tell me that I've blown it as a parent. I already know that. I, I, there's no lack of me feeling. What I have to know is that mistake doesn't define my child's entire experience. I think we all need to know that. Those of you that have had children that have grown up and left the home, rather than critiquing kids these days, what if you were just a support for parents that are really, really trying hard? They're in the trenches, they're swinging, they're trying to make the best out of it, and they're at a loss. Because it's weird, they're telling their kids to do the right things, but their kids won't do it. It's the most bizarre thing. This is one place where it might apply. Last one, last implication. My job is to make sure that I live according to my own conscience. And I think we could all agree that that is hard enough. I have to make sure that my conscience before the Lord is right. I don't have enough energy after that's really done to make sure that your conscience is right. <laughs> right? I don't have enough energy to do that. I have a hard enough time here. I hope that you hear Paul say, this isn't about not having convictions. It's about valuing people more than we value being right. Yeah. 
By the way, try that in your marriage. It'll, it'll revolutionize your marriage. Jesus gave us a living example of what this would look like if we're gonna actually do this. He gave us a living example of what it would look like. It's gonna look a lot like what communion represents for us, like laying your life down, like choosing to value other people over my own well-being. It's gonna look a lot like that. Communion reminds us that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is given for you. So whenever you eat this bread, do it in remembrance of me. So let's remember him this morning. And in the same way, after the dinner, he took a cup and he said, this cup, this represents a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink this cup, do it in remembrance of me. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for the example of Jesus and for what his life shows us and how it challenges us to live in this tension of convictions and yet valuing people who think and feel and act differently. Lord, help us to love well, to be instruments of your grace so that we can um, put you on display in a way that accurately represents who you are. Lord, give us the courage to be wrong. In your name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this sermon from Real Life. If you have any questions or feedback, you can send an email to comment at liferotp.com or connect with us at our website, on Facebook, and on Twitter. You can also check out the Footnotes podcast accompanying today's sermon if you'd like to dig a little deeper. Romans, the Declaration, will continue next Sunday. Until then, be blessed and have a great week.